Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we'll be taking a deep dive into the latest innovations in autonomous and electric vehicles. We're going to be discussing some new technologies that are coming out from a company, Guidance, which is a portfolio company of tech capital and aim listed company here in London. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Harold Braun, who is the CEO of Guidance. Harold, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Jonathan, thank you very much uh, to have me. So, Harold, there's been an awful lot happening recently at Guidance. Uh, there was a tech capital RNS out recently, which detailed some of those developments. So, we're going to be delving into those. But to start with, for people that aren't familiar with, with Guidance or maybe tech capital or, or yourself, please would you be able to give us a brief introduction? into guidance, please, as well as a bit of your background, Harold. Yeah, yeah, we will do that. Uh, Jonathan, thanks very much. So my name is Harold Brown. I'm originally from Germany and uh, um, have worked for Siemens for more than 20 years, have been uh, the uh, CEO, uh, president and CEO of Siemens um, Communication here in the US. And then uh, when I left them, um, I did a, a broad a company together in the US, um, from um, Harris uh, and Stratex and uh, got them to Nasdaq. And um, I'm all my life in communication. And for me, everything is connected. And one thing what I wanted to connect all the time were um, electric vehicle uh, um, or electric vehicles with the opportunity to upgrade them, so to say, to autonomous vehicles. And that's what we did with the help of Tech Capital. They were very... Um, uh, instrumental to um, help me uh, to build that company. And um, yeah, that was um, about 2019. And um, I defined then um, a, a product and brought the right people on board. I'm in several um, board of directors uh, globally. And I brought some very talented people uh, around me. Today, we have about 13 people. Uh, mostly, uh, most of them are developers, uh, software developers, I have to say. And we are developing software for autonomous vehicles to make autonomous vehicles safer while adopting um, a uh, human-in-the-loop concept. That means uh, wherever autonomous vehicles are on the road, uh, they are connected or can be connected, if the customer choose to do that, uh, to a remote monitor and control center. We call that RMCC. Um, uh, think about it as that is a kind of a um, flight control tower at the airport, um, um, but we are not controlling flights or uh, airplanes. We are controlling autonomous vehicles. And in case they are in a mishap situation or anything is happening which we can predict, uh, with um, artificial intelligence software, we can actually take over control of that autonomous vehicles and get it out of harm's way or take it away, put it into park or bring it back to the, to the defined route or whatever it's happening. So in principle, we have all the time a human in the loop um, in an AV. Even there is no driver in the car. So that's, that's, uh, uh, that's what we do. We have also a second solution, which um, 
Uh, you might have seen that we um, uh, spin that off or spun that off uh, last week. Uh, the second solution is a regenerative shock absorber. Um, so a shock absorber, which goes um, it, um, transitions the vibration energy uh, to actually uh, uh, electrical energy. And with that charges the battery or other um, uh, uh, um, you know, devices in an uh, electro in an EV, in an electric vehicle, which brings then a range extension up to um, nine to twelve uh, miles per charge. So, and um, these two products we have right now, and um, the regenerative shock absorber actually um, um, is now in a very mature state, and we talk about that maybe later, so that I. Sp- that off last week into a separate company. Yes, Harold, both fascinating technologies there. But I think today's podcast, we're going to focus a little bit more on the shock absorbers, if we may, because it's a particularly exciting development that we saw last week. As you said, uh, the shock absorbers being spun out into a new company, Revive Energy Solutions. Yeah. So, Harold, what, what was the thinking behind the, the move? Because there's two separate companies now, two separate technologies, each held within a, a separate company. What was the, the thinking behind making that move to, to spin out the, the regenerative shock yes. absorbers? Yes, yes. So you can imagine when you are with Guidant in a software company where we really, really focus on software uh, development, and then we have another patent on a regenerative shock absorber, which has mainly um, components, hardware components, and uh, and uh, also some software involved. Um, we had all the time the challenge um, in our uh, discussion with customers, with investors, and so on and so forth. What is this actually product doing in your company, right? And um, and then uh, you know we said it, it it is in the in the EV uh, industry, so there was um, there was definitely a possibility to um, make make sense of this. And then once I um, launch a, a separate team on this with uh, Dr. Ades, and uh, he took that to a next level this regenerative shock absorber, and we got um, into testing in independent um, in independent test authorities in the US uh, recently, and then had an interest of a tier one um, OEM uh, company, which I'm not allowed to say the name, and we tested in their facilities uh, also the... Um, the, 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 the functionality of this shock with very good outcome in both independent um, test authority. It was time to separate the companies, but under the guidance name, so uh, Revive Energy Solution is a 100% guidance company, which means uh, that it allows me now to focus within the guidance holding, so to say, right, to focus with a team dedicated on this uh, company with a separate go-to-market efforts because it's our different customers than the guided remote monitoring and control customers. So a separate set of customers. And this company allows me now a separation with a um, certain uh, dedicated targeted team and a targeted go-to-market strategy. So that... Um, uh, allows me, you know, to be more 
you know, flexible in the upcoming, uh, you know, interactions with uh, possible customers. That was the thinking behind it. Thank you very much, Howard. And you alluded to their, you know, setting up the new company to target a new, a new market uh, to, to some extent uh, in the regenerative shock absorber market. And that's something that I'd like to speak a little bit about mm-hmm. now in, in terms of what does it look like, Harold? You know, how big is this market? How fast is it growing? Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the, the size, you know, in terms of the end applications as mm-hmm. well, you know, is it just EVs? Can, can it go into to normal cars? You know, what, what does it look like at the moment out there? Yes. Yeah, this is a very difficult question to answer, but I try it from different angles. We are, we believing in guidance and of course now in Revive Energy Solutions that as it is for generative braking in the electro vehicles right now, that this RSA, regenerative shock absorber, will be in every EV going forward at one point in time. We are a strong believer that this energy harvesting capability of shock absorbers will be in every EV going forward. That is our vision. That's what we believe in. Now, when you come to the market, it is very difficult to dis, to, to uh, define that market globally in all in North America and uh, you know in, in in the United States in particular. Why? Because you can say, well, this regenerative shock absorber could also be in um, uh, vehicles which are non-electrical, right? Because then they just power up other devices in the car. Or you say we focus only on the EV market globally, right? And then in this EV market, a certain percentage will uh, grow, um, will will adopt that, which we believe all of them will do that going forward. And when we see the numbers uh, with a growth rate about um, 30 to 45% on the global RSA market, the numbers for me, which I saw so far in the three and a half to five billion range is too small. That cannot be from my point of view. And then when you boil it down to the American market, it is almost uh, uh, two and a half billion, uh, the, uh, the obtainable market. But these numbers, from my point of view, are way too low. And we have not found yet um, a kind of a source which I can really take a look at and say, uh, how, what is the right number? But it is a multi-billion dollar market. That's what I can say. Um, it might be double-digit billions to triple-digit billions. That's what I believe. And we have to find the right sources. Uh, you know, to to really understand that and then boil it down to North America, to United States or to European markets and so on and so forth. What I can say is that we have at the moment no vehicle, no EV or other vehicle in the market which has regenerative shock absorbers in their uh, released models. No Chinese, no um, European, no American uh, car manufacturer as of our knowledge, has regenerative shock absorbers now as a functionality in their EVs. So it is still an upcoming market, and uh, we will update you once we have, uh, you know, dive or 
digged deeper into the target market. But we believe it's a multi-double to triple-digit billion-dollar market. So, yes, yeah, so whatever the number may be, it sounds like it's a huge market there, Harold. So it, it does pose the question, what, what does it look like in terms of the, you know, the competition? Are there other people out there doing this? And is this a race towards getting the first regenerative shock absorbers into cars? You know, who else yes. is out there? Who else is part of this race? And, and is it a sprint or, or is it a marathon in terms of getting this technology into cars? I think there is something between um, a sprint and a marathon. There are some, um, you know, some races which are in the 10K range, right? So everybody is looking into that. There were, there were um, early adopters of these technologies and uh, some of them dropped um, in the uh, Volkswagen group. You, you know that there is Audi. They took a look at this uh uh, this uh, design, but they haven't um, continued doing that or putting that into the cars. One one uh, competitor is uh, Clear Motion, um, and Clear Motion, I think, are the most advanced ones. Um, they um, have adaptive damping uh, from that, what we know, but they are also not in the car. They, are, they have some first prototypes. They generated... Um, uh, uh, um, uh, energy in the range, what we are doing right now uh, as uh, as um, uh, per shock, right? So um, that that I think is um, uh, um, a formidable, uh, really good um, uh, competitor. Um, but we have not seen them. There might be smaller companies out there, but from that, what we are focusing or seeing here in the market is actually uh, clear motion as one of the, the, the biggest competitors uh, there. There is here and there something, um, uh, but it's very difficult to follow uh, them. A lot of patent in that area, and um, we have also um, one patent uh, granted and one patent filed on this. So we have two in one granted, one filed um, in that area. So there is a lot of action there, but to bring that from um, patent or design to prototype to deployment um, is a long way, and we have not seen uh, something uh, there yet. And we believe that we are um, close to um, proof of concepts, which we prove have proven already with one company, one tier one, and then going from proof of concept to deployment. Um, and you know, when we ask me, you know, what 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 would you see within the next year? I would say at least one more proof of concept and then one pilot customer. And um, within the next um, 12 to 16 months, hopefully a deployment um, within, um, within a tier one uh, automotive or a company. Yeah. So for me, it's one name right now. What we're watching is uh, Clear Motion as a competitor. Thank you very much. So you mentioned at the beginning, Harold, some tests that have been ongoing, and it was something that was mentioned in a recent update from Tech Capital. Now, I know you said that you can't mention or name the company that it, it, it was done with, but I don't know whether you'll be able to add any more detail to these tests in, in terms of you know what, what it was testing, the outcomes and next steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so I have to be um, uh, careful uh, with um, uh, this. But from from a macro uh, view, so you put the you can put the shock absorber, let's say, into an MTS machine, right? And you and then you simulate the driving behavior of a car. There are test authorities out there. They can uh, really provide a profile in this MTS machine, right? So uh, where you put your shock absorber in there. And this profile can reproduce some uh, road surfaces, right? Rough and smooth and, you know, class A, B, C, and so on and so forth. They can do a lot of things, right? So that test we did already about a year ago, right? Nine months ago, something like this. So that was from a machine and we had um, different configurations there. Test results were good. We did some uh, more uh, optimization on the shock after there, after that test. And now the second test was this independent test with a, a tier one uh, OEM manufacturer was that we put it in a real car and we used that in, we, we, we put that into their test lab on a real car where it was in a lab on a real car performing a test, uh, which their test configuration allowed us also to simulate different car uh, surfaces and uh, road surfaces and so on and so forth. But then we took it also on a test track. We put the car with a shock, with our shock absorber in, mounted in the car, and then we went to a test track with different um, um, uh, surfaces. And that, of course, was all recorded. All the data from that shock, they had, I think, 12 uh, output uh, sensor channels which we uh, tested the, um, uh, the, the the shock with. And then we could see in which conditions, under which conditions, under which weight of the car, under which tire pressure of the car, under which road conditions and other um a criteria would we produce what amount of energy so we could we could see that over a short period and over a long period of time everything was um, was um, uh, recorded and then of course once we had the graphs and all the data we could see how the shock would perform under these different um, criterias and under these different conditions that of course was very I would say high-end testing. Can you imagine when you go to a multi-billion-dollar company, uh, you know, and they do testing cool. in their facilities? You can imagine yes. what the outcome yeah. is, right? So, and uh, this uh, data was separately interpreted by the company and separately interpreted by us, and then we got together and have a report out there, uh, which is company confidential uh, for now, and showed the outcome with different criteria. I'm not going uh, uh, to this uh, different criteria, but you can imagine which one would that be. And I mentioned that weight, tire pressure, road surfaces, and other vibration uh, possibilities on this car. And then, of course, different car types. Yeah. So we have all the data, and the data shows us that the uh, shock absorber is working under the design premises, which we went into uh, this from a patent to prototype to now um, a, a proof of concept. 
So the proof of concept is clear. We see um, increase of range about uh, 9 to 12 miles per charge. When you have a normal EV and you're charging, let's say, 300 um, uh, 300 miles of um, uh, charging uh, capabilities in the battery, um, you can imagine that uh, uh, 9 to 12 miles um, is a significant uh, amount. And the response from the automotive um, pro uh, producers um, was very, very positive. It was not, it, by the way, that was also, these results were also presented to um, uh, at least one of the major, of the top five um, car manufacturers in the world. And the, and the, um, the, the response was, um, was very positive. Actually, in one statement, uh, one company couldn't believe that that could produce uh, this amount of um, range extension. Right, so the, the 9 to 12 miles. So, yeah, was uh, very good. Now, what we're doing as next step is to um, analyze the data. That's what we're doing right now. Analyze the data more in detail. Then take a look where can we optimize, maybe with another company together, to see where can we mechanically optimize it and, uh, you know, to get a couple of more percentage points out of this. And the second one, and if we file the patent on this as well, is how can we go from a, a passive damper, which I almost say what we have right now is a passive damper, meaning uh, the vibration from the car get into uh, energy uh, converted by our mechanical mo uh, motion rectifier, which is that patent. Uh, but we said also, why don't we put, um, why don't we influence this generator, this electrical generator, which is um, attached to the shock? Why don't we influence that from the outside and then influence the shock itself? We call that smart suspension. That is the second patent we have, or that's the patent we have filed, and put that into an in, um, intelligent controller and then have different opportunities um, to um, uh, variable stiffness, have different um, uh, profiles for that shock, but also collect uh, data from uh, the roads where the car is driving, which is an interesting thought to collect data wherever uh, we drive, right? So a lot of possibilities. Sorry for the long answer, but I think it's, it's no, Harold. It's that was really fascinating. Yeah. Some great, some great, uh, some great insights there. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. So, I, th I think you know you did allude to you know what to keep an eye out for over the next twelve months. But I'd, I'd like if, if you may, if you'll be able to summarize quickly, you know, for people that are looking at guiding, keeping an eye on what you're doing, what the most important things are that they should keep an eye on over the next 12 months. And yeah. also, a, a the question here... The first thing we keep an eye on is that we get that prototype, um, you know, and that proof of concept, the data we have there, to interested um, uh, potential customers where we could actually license the patent to and they would then uh, perform uh, optimizations in terms of... Um, the shock itself, because we will not produce as guidant or revive energy solution. We will not um, manufacture this shock. We would um, license the uh, uh, um, uh, you know product to um, the possible uh, customers.
in the uh, OEM or in the automotive industry, right? So what I'm seeing is that we optimize it to a certain point in time, right? Uh, over the next whatever three to six months, and then find with the results we have um, uh, possible customers which can take the product either into their portfolio, uh, uh, optimize it further, right? And then find, um, you know, uh, uh, deployment opportunities with vehicle companies. That's for me the next half year to nine months. In 12 months, I would love to sit here and say we have at least one company which um, uh, has taken this concept and this shock absorber to the next level together with us. And we have, uh, we, we collect royalty fees uh, from this company. Uh, uh, on a non-exclusive basis um, uh, to to re- revive energy solutions, so that's that's definitely the next um, uh, focus area. That and therefore, actually, I did uh, create that company, right? This um, this spin-off of uh, revive energy solution under the Glidant umbrella. Thank you. So, just one last point here, and this is probably my curiosity getting the. The, the better of me, but you know the, the name Revive Energy Solutions is, is quite broad. You know, are, are there other applications for this technology outside of the EV going forward? Yeah, yeah. The the the, um, the thought process was there on Revive is that we uh, actually harvest and uh, put energy which would be otherwise dissipated, we would take that and revive it into something else, right? In this case, vibration to energy, right? And there are other applications, as I mentioned, with that concept, um, and we have to see how far we go with that, that concept of the intelligent controller is how do we make out of a passive um, shock absorber is semi-active shock absorber. So the same shock absorber with the same kind of generator on it, but then we influence the generator from the outside, right? So, and then see that we do variable damping, for example. But the other thing is the software in the intelligent controller allows us also to know exactly where we are, which road we are driving, and how good is that road, Right? Are there potholes? Are there bumps in there? Are there surface issues or whatever? So we do data collection and data mapping on this. So we could take it up to that point in time, uh, at, at, at up to that level as well. Second one is we can actually smaller that um, regenerative shock absorber and put it into other vehicles, right? Whether these are people movers, whether these are uh, bikes um, or whatever, you, you, you see there's a lot of uh, mobility concepts right now out there other than cars. And therefore, we call it also vehicles, right? So vehicle can be different uh, types, right? It can be a scooter, it can be a motorcycle, it can be a bicycle, it can be any other uh, footprint. So the footprint of the shock absorber can be also um, a smaller uh, or uh, reduced so that it has also other applications possible. But, you know, we are at the moment thinking more on how can I, from a software point of view, collect more data and uh, make a more 
intelligent controller together with the shock absorber itself. Thank you very much, Harold. That That's great. And to anybody listening to this who wants to find out some more about guidance and the technology, there'll be a link through to their website in the notes to this podcast. So, so do check that out. And Harold, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me and um, looking forward uh, to an update. Indeed, as, as am I. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.